Y'all, you are in for a treat today. I'm about to sit down with Alex from the Fresh Slick and Mick podcast, another beautifully crafted podcast from the Windsor area. And I am so stoked to be sharing Alex's story today. It is about to be a deep, heavy, and soulful conversation that I just, I am so grateful um, for the opportunity to be doing this and sharing people's stories especially Alex's today on the podcast. He not only is a master behind the microphone on a podcast, but he has an incredible story. And I don't even have to sit here and say, I hope you get something from it. I fucking know you will. And uh, I'm not going to let, let's just blow that. Let's just, let's just not hold out any longer. Please listen carefully. We have Alex here or... Fresh from Fresh Slick and Mick, one third of the Epic Podcast. What do you guys call it? The the bro, the what's the Windsor, Ontario's finest modern millennial bro, Dan. You know it. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I knew I was gonna mess it up, and I did. But that's what you're here for to make sure that I said it correctly. Dude, I mess it up every episode. Okay, so now I don't feel half as bad. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I'm so excited that you're here because I listen to your podcast all the time, and we have just become like internet friends through your podcast. And you're just such a good, genuine dude. And I just, I so appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, which I feel like a lot, a lot of people are going to relate to. So I'm super stoked to get this out. I, I appreciate you having me on. I, you know, I'm, I'm a fan, obviously. I think I found you first. I was looking for other local podcasts and I'm not going to throw any shade or anything, but it was a, it was a pretty dry list. And uh, I think it was, uh, you were one with Dr. Andrea Gennardo and I was like, oh, this is, this is sick. You know, and I kind of went from there and listened to some more. But uh, yeah, so kudos on the good work, and I'm stoked to be here. Thank you, man. That that episode with Dr. Angie Darno. Anytime someone's like, "Which one should I start with?" I'm like, "That's the one you should start with." I think she is just like the bee's knees. She's every time she posts something, I'm like, "Oh, I gotta share this. I just gotta share this." She's so smart. I just like I admire her so much. So it's nice to hear that that one caught your eye. I want to start with the most cliche question mm. in interview history. What were you like as a child? Ooh. And I know I'm starting this because you had mentioned you were a gifted child. And I want you to explain what that means, how that shaped you as a child, and, and we'll move on through the years. You know, it's weird because I feel like a lot of people have, you know, those experiences. Like, you know, I went to a gifted school or I, I skipped six grades. And I, I had offers to skip grades and stuff, but it was mostly negative. Um, I'm from the county. I'm from like Essex County. And so not that anyone was specifically rude to me, but you know, if you like to keep your nose in a book and everybody's like out on four wheelers and shit all the time, it, you know, it's not, you, you, you struggle to find that bridge and even simple stuff. Like I, I can remember being a kid and you know, they'd want to be like out running and jumping and everything. And I'm like, I'm going to go probably watch TV or play video games and stuff. And it's just, I just wanted to live in my head. So how was I uh, alone a lot of the time? One of, one of the pictures that I like the most from my childhood, my mom likes the most, is just me with a book. I'm probably, I don't know, maybe six and just like sitting under a tree. And that is still where I can be found many a weekend, you know, not that tree. That tree got cut down, but you know. Yeah. So you say you would grow up being an introvert. Mm. And we did an episode on that. And 
that episode was very cathartic for me. It was based on a book called Quiet by Susan Cain. Excellent book for honestly anyone interested in that whole introvert extrovert science. But I had to talk that out with the boys because introvert always felt like a like a stab, like a pejorative, like a dig. And people still throw it around like that, you know, like, oh, I, you know, you're, you're probably just an introvert or whatever, or, you know, I'm not like an introvert. I just, I just sometimes need alone time. Like, bro, it's okay. You're supposed to have alone time. So yeah, I was absolutely an introvert. And for a long, long time, um, without those resources or those tools available, I, I thought I hated people. You know, I was a little edgelord kid. And uh, I thought that people were just the worst thing in the world. And years down the road, I realized, oh, no, I'm an extremely empathetic and very, very caring person. It's just I can only take so much. Mm. So now into your adult life, do you feel like you still resonate with that introvert perspective? Or do you think things have changed over the years? Yeah, big time. And and in a way, it's it's great to know it. But sometimes it's tougher because you you can see it coming on the horizon you're like oh I, I have to plan for some alone time and sometimes you know you'd, you'd be doing adult shit look at your books and well they ain't really no plan for alone time here but I do my best with it and you know that's about it my uh my partner she's extremely understanding of that and if she wasn't well she probably wouldn't be my partner because it's just like you know sometimes I just got to be alone it's not you you know um, and, and same with all my friends and everything. In fact, that's why Fresh Like a Mick works so well, because while Mickey is absolutely not an introvert, um, Slick definitely is, but we all just get each other and we respect those boundaries a lot, which is so important. That's another thing about growing up. You know, you learn about boundaries and you learn where you can say no. And that's, those are the best friends, the ones that you can say no to without conflict. Yeah, I think that's huge. Like saying no without consequence is something that only really I've experienced in my later years. And also just hearing you say like looking at like your schedule and then there was like no allotted time for alone time, like literally gave me like a well up of like anxiety. I was like, honestly, sometimes I'm like, people message me on like a Tuesday. And they're like, oh, do you want to hang out such such later in the week? I'm like, no, dude, I'm all booked up. They're like, how are you booked up already? And I'm like, <laughs> um, because I allot my shit correctly and I have three days that are just me. Um, and it, it is, it's, it's something that I think a lot of more people should plan for, but I don't think we're taught to do that. Like we're not like you're growing up to go outside, go see, like, I don't think, uh, society views, not even society, but like, we're not growing up told to be like, take time for yourself. Um, you know, sit with your thoughts. And I think that's something that a lot of people come to fruition with, like later in life, the more self-aware you become. Um, but it definitely is something that has made me more of who I am when I started mm. like going against being like, I have to go out, I have to go drinking with everybody. I have to be this, I have to be that. When I suddenly like rejected all those things I thought I like air quotes had to do, I was mm. like, oh, I like this so much more. I don't feel as stressed. I feel more me. And I think at the end of the day, like being an introvert is, it's a sign that you, you are comfortable, hopefully comfortable with yourself. Yeah. You have to learn it because all, all of society at large is geared towards, even if it's not extrovert specifically extroversion. So you, you have to teach yourself, you know, I was lucky enough that a friend lent me that book, but I, Otherwise, I'd have just I'd probably still be a little jaded kid thinking, oh, I just hate people. Yeah. 
which I think a lot of people also relate to, like growing up with their head in their books and not doing the same thing, which doesn't seem like the norm. But the more mm -hmm. we talk about it, the more people I re like, I'm having these same conversations with people all the time where they're like, that was me as a kid. And I'm like, you're one of the most outgoing people that I know. And they're like, no, like my true self is introverted. And now I have like kind of adapted that where I'm like, I always say now, what do I say? I, I always fuck it up and do it backwards. Uh, I'm a extroverted introvert. So like my introversion comes first. That's a base of who I am, but mm -hmm. I know how to turn it on. Yes. <laughs> what I yes. always say, but being on only lasts for so long. Oh, it certainly does. I, I have, despite having a, a very short well um, for that, that amount of time, I have about 10 years of retail work and, and sales and stuff like that. And man, that didn't last very long at all. That was all the wrong job for me, you know, a, a life motivated by fear and indecision, but I just, I just stuck with it. And eventually I, I snapped, I did, yeah. I lost it. And I pretty much just walked out of my job. I didn't know how I was going to pay rent the next month, but I didn't care. Couldn't do it yeah. anymore. You know? Yeah. Now are you in a job where you're more suited or are you still doing retail type stuff? No. Um, I, I had a retail job only a couple years back, which was the LCBO, which is totally different from a lot of things because the union lets you swing your dick around a lot. Not literally. I hope everyone knows that's <laughs> metaphorical. Um, but you know, you, you have a little bit of freedom to be yourself because you have that protection. So it's a, it's a good job. I really recommend, you know, LCBO to people and it's not bad as far as retail rackets go, but my current job, I work at a wholesaler, I work in a warehouse and I work for the most part alone. It's lovely. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. I know I work at like, we have a family business and I'm in the office, but like halfway, you know, sometimes throughout the day, they need me out at the counter. And I'm like, as soon as I've had my fill of like people, I'm like, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to go back to my office and thank God I have that option because mm -hmm. I could not do what my brother does. My brother talks to people all day long and mm. sales and I'm just like, Oh my God. And then goes out after work and I'm like, Oh God, I just, I just need a fucking nap. <laughs> so, so he's got that though. He's got that. A hundred percent. It's so right. funny because growing up, my dad has always, now that I'm understanding, shown really like introvertedness, if that's even a fucking word. Um, but he would always go, we're making a word today. Um, he would always go on like solo trips into the woods. He would drive his van like nine hours to Sault Ste. Marie and like only go for like the weekend. And we, I always like remember as a kid being like, you're, that's so fucking weird. Like, that's so weird. And my mom is super extroverted. Um, my older brother's kind of in between and, but talent, my middle brother is like painstakingly outgoing. So we always, I just like, this is so weird. This is so weird. And then as I got older, I was like, found myself doing those trips. And I was like, oh my God, I'm dad. <laughs> uh -huh. I'm that weirdo, but I love it. And I understand it now. And I think it, it just takes that time to like have that experience as you get older. I think the real G in this scenario is your mom for allowing your dad to just fuck off for a weekend with a bunch of kids at home. <laughs> yeah, mom's a real MVP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's on my podcast guest list. She's going to come on and we're going to have a chat. So one Sick. Day, one day. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about the thing that stuck out really hugely in your intake form. You wrote, I am the anti-success story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Explain that to me. Okay, so, the, and it, this all roots to the gifted thing as well. Um, but I, I feel like I just have, when I look around and, and consider my life, I think of 
a bajillion wasted opportunities or missed opportunities or fumbled opportunities, things like this. And yet I'm still, if I compare to my peers, and I mean, comparison is the mother of depression, no doubt, but I find that uh, I, I, my, my metrics are better in most cases. I mean, a lot of my friends, I got a couple years on, so I, I got a little bit of experience there. But for the most part, like, I have a house, I have a very stable job, I have two dogs, I have a healthy, happy, loving relationship, I have good friends, you know, and I, I have good habits. Um, and so all of those things are markers of success in one way or another. But at the same time, it's, it's very hard for me. And, you know, I, I've been working on gratitude for years now, but it's very hard for me to feel like I did this right, because there's everything I would do differently. What would you do differently? Oh, I know where do we start? Everything is a big word, but I think a lot of people can relate to that. But if, if someone's listening that's younger and in the middle mm. of it right now, what can they be doing differently? I think the number one thing is to seize opportunities um, and, and don't be afraid or be afraid, but do it anyway, because I missed out on so much strictly because of fear. Um, I didn't go away for school. You know, I, I stayed at, here's the story. So I am a writer. I, I love writing. Absolutely love writing. And I should have gone to school for creative writing. My mom told me to apply, even though I was kind of wary about it. I got in, my portfolio was approved and everything. And I'd never published anything. I've still never formally published anything, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm fairly confident in myself as far as that goes go to the guidance counselor and I say like, okay, so this is good. Like, am I good? And she's like, Oh, I don't know about that program. I'm like, huh? Like, it's my dream, right? I mean, I shouldn't have been at U Windsor, but I wanted to be a creative writer. Absolutely. And she's just like, why don't you uh, look into something more productive? Like I hear communications is good. My nephew's doing that. And so after my six years to do a four year degree, um, I had a communications degree that I didn't give a flying fuck about and I had done no creative, well, no, I'd written personally, but I had done no formal creative writing and I was just like, oh my God, I fucked that so hard. And it was all cause just this one idiot got in my head and scared me. Yeah. I have a very, uh, similar guidance counselor fuckery story. <laughs> no way. Cause when you said that, I was like, oh my God, these people should not be guidance counselors cause they're not doing a good job. When I was like in grade, I think it was like going in grade, in grade 10, going to grade 11, I wanted to take communications, ironically, that you just said that. Um, I wanted to take like the communications course in grade 11, and um, my guidance counselor at the time was like, mm, that's probably not like a viable like option for your future, so maybe you should take another science course. And I was like, bro, I'm getting like 50s, like science is not my thing. Took it anyways, didn't take communications, and then Grade 12 came along and I said to that dude, I was like, fuck this, I'm taking communications. And I took the grade 11, my first semester of grade 12, and then took the grade 12, uh, this like the second half of it, like the second semester. And I was like, I, it is, why is, I like, we look up to these people to tell us, like to give us that guidance, but there should be more than just one person. And I know that's like, that's hard for like a school system to set up, but it shouldn't be based on what they think is viable. Like you need to work with the student. And then I went back years later and like that guidance counselor, counselor became a math teacher. And I was like, 
well, this makes sense. He just, he just likes math and science and just, just wanted me to yeah, be part right. of that superior, superior um, faculties. I don't know, whatever you call it, but it is, it's hard to like do any different than what we're told when we're so young and impressionable. And especially when you're introverted and you, you know, you just take on what you're told and what you think, what, what you think someone is like a superior to you. Absolutely. And there's something obviously wrong with the system there. If that can happen, you know, at, at, at 18, you can, you can go and die for your country, but you can't buy a bottle of booze. You know, that's, that's the obvious answer. But um, even, even that system, like you can sink yourself into debt for potentially the rest of your life, or at least cripple yourself for decades at an age where you can barely vote or I mean I was 17 I couldn't even vote you know it's it's a horrible horrible system I know I have so many opinions on the education system as it is and how it's going to be hopefully not hopefully that sounds so terrible but like failing in the future and it's going to be changing so much in the future because of the way the internet is set up and yada yada that's a whole other fucking conversation I want to talk about you because that's what you are here for um I want to talk more about your writing and like when did you start writing and do you I had this conversation with Allie um, on a podcast about misery and like writing from misery and how that is such like a big thing in, in the arts community in general. What's your take on like that, that, that need to uh, not need, but it is like that expectation that like your writing is going to be better if you're miserable. Um, there's a, there's a human tendency to focus on the negative. Uh, it's absolutely true and that is not just the case in when you're writing but it's also when you're reading so things are far more impactful you know and and it's very easy if you just look at literary descriptions of hell there are a billion of them filled with the worst tortures going as far back as Dante or before look at literary descriptions of heaven there's nothing no one has anything to say what does that mean what does a perfect day mean well it's different everybody so you can't really it's you know it's goofy so it's kind of part of our wiring that said i listened to that podcast and ali was absolutely right it doesn't have to be that way you know you get older and you you realize you can reprogram yourself from that i was the oldest poem that i remember i've been writing since i can remember like since i can remember being conscious because i've been reading that long and i always wanted to do what i was reading um but the oldest poem I can remember was a poem. We were doing a, a World War unit. I don't remember if it was one or two, but I wrote a poem about essentially moral relativism when I was 10 years old. What the fuck is that? What kind of weird child writes that? And of course, my mom was very proud and, you know, oh, look how smart he is. Whatever. God bless her. But, I, you know, when I think back on that, it's like this, this was the basis. This is why you didn't have friends because you wanted to talk about this, not you know, hockey or whatever. I don't know. I'm not, again, no shade. It's just, I was not like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's like moral relativism. Did you, how did you even know that? I guess reading, like, where did you, where did your, I guess reading now that I'm answering my own questions. Yeah. Yeah. I've, my mom says I was reading, um, as soon as I was talking and, and like says it with a straight face. Um, I've just, I don't know. I'm just a ravenous reader, dude. I, I love, I love words. I really, really love words. You know, I, I'm a little bit involved in the poetry community in Windsor and you can, you can see that some people do it cause they want clout or grandstanding, whatever. And Hey, good for you. Go for it. Shoot your shot. Why not? Um, 
but I, I had to be pushed to get up on the stage by now my, my girlfriend because I didn't particularly want to perform, but I just, I have to write. I have to, you know? Do you feel like your writing um, is or ever was a coping mechanism? Certainly, certainly. And I don't know if that was before or after um, it, it just became intertwined in me. But if I, if I look back on my childhood, I would say that it was probably my earliest best friend because, you know, it was something that I could do alone um, and just feel good about and just enjoy on my own. Yeah. But, I, but at the same time, like, I, I write everything, right? Like, uh, poetry and long-form fiction primarily, but, like, everything. I've always been a big lyric writer. And if I write a dope rap bar, I'll, I'll fucking get hype on that. I'll walk around work rapping my own bar. I don't give a fuck, you know? <laughs> Multis are hard. So I sadly never got to go to any of the Toast open mics, but I did see you, is it called performing? I'm just going to be an at, is it called, it's a performance. Let's go with it. It felt like a fucking performance. It was so fucking good. I like, when I watched it for the time, I was like, oh my gosh. And then when I was was reading about how you grew up, like loving rap music, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Yeah. Like you could feel that passion. You could see like that energy come through you as you were speaking and as you were doing it. And I was like, this is so dope. I was like, so impressed. So kudos you. to you. Kudos to you. Um, I want to talk a little bit more as we move through like your teenage years into being a young adult in your twenties and feeling like you wasted a lot of time being sad or fearful. Yeah. Is it's heavy to talk about, but I'm as real as you can be with like what you've gone through and, or didn't go through because of fear, like all of those things, I think those are things I want to talk about on the Lemon Soul podcast. That's like things we we don't get to hear from each other because they're buried and they're maybe dark, but like Lemon Soul, haha, made us who we are today. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I, I appreciate that about you, man. I appreciate that you don't shy away from anything because I don't think there's any progress made in shying away from anything if the current political climate tells us anything of course um i am a heavy person so i am not at all dissuaded by discussions of heavy topics so uh your question was how did that feeling of of sadness carry me essentially yeah you wrote that you had said you had waste you felt like you wasted a lot of your time being sad i did i did so remember i was talking about working 10 years in retail uh well it was actually more than that even um Anyway, but I was so scared and sad that I, I, that action wasn't even an option. Fixing my problems weren't even options. I, I mean, okay, so I grew up uh, abused and I think that that's not talked about nearly enough in the world because it, it's so deep and like stuff even in the last just 18 months of my life like threads that I'm untangling and, and realizing like oh this is why I did this this is why I did this but so much of it just comes back to fear and sadness and to a lesser extent loneliness so when you are depressed you know um, we've done an episode on depression we're recording another one tomorrow actually um, you you can't even necessarily know how to fix yourself. You know, doing anything can be so difficult. And for me, it was just stultifying. So I just I just found any any way to get through the day. And for me, it was things like 
uh, video games and books, which, as I said, I love, but after a point, those things you love become places to hide. And they were for through my teen years, right through my 20s, even. Um, they were ways for me not to deal with anything. So I spent a lot of time being sad and a lot of time just living in regret because that's, you know, when you just talk to yourself like that, you're on this negative feedback loop and it never ends. And eventually someone or something, some experience punches through it and you go, oh, I mean, hopefully you get that. Yeah. Um, you said you grew up in an abusive situation. Mm. What was the time frame of that? And did you, were you aware at the time the damage that it was causing you? No, because I was so goddamn scared. And, and that's the thing. Even like even today, I, I have a friend, you know, what a wonderful woman. She says I have alpha energy. I think that's fucking ridiculous because in my head, I'm this timid, weak little kid, right? But my mom married someone who always saw me as lesser. I was, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, he was, uh, he saw me as additional baggage. And then they had another kid who's my brother and my brother and I are as close as could possibly be. We love each other so much, but it was very clear right from the start that he had a higher position because of that. You know, my dad was gone. Um, and when you're that young and I'm talking like five, six, right up until I left the house, right up until I was 18. Um, you just, you look around and you, you don't know what to do. Right. So I had no indication that those things were weighing that heavily on me. I just became, through adolescence, extremely angry um, and very, very sad. You know, I spent my, my, my kids, my, my childhood years, like just fucking crying and trying to avoid my family. Well, I love my brother so much. I love my mom so much, you know, even to this day, they're two of my best friends. Why didn't I want to be with them? Because the family unit was so broken. Now, um, because you had a brother that was, you, like you said, there was a clear difference between the two of you. Yeah. Do you know that what you were going through wasn't normal? Because if you went through it for such a long period of time, like, did you realize that that wasn't how it was supposed to be as like growing up? No. Um, and in fact, that is something else that came out in probably about the last year. I always thought that Okay, so I dated someone 10 years ago whose family would sit down to dinner and just talk and laugh and dinner would be a three-hour affair every single night. And I didn't understand that because I grew up smashing my food in my face and running to my room as fast as possible. So I really had no idea that there was another way until, you know, luckily I made what was at the time a terrible decision to move into Windsor it, it ended up making, like I said, my school career takes so, so much longer, but I did it and it set me free essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but it took a decade or more. I'm still realizing all of the ways in which that kind of growing up isn't normal and isn't, isn't healthy more so because I, I, I don't even know if normal and healthy always correlate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. What advice would you give someone who either is going through that right now or had a similar childhood to you and is struggling finding the other side of it? Tell someone. And the answer is the same if you're five or you're 50. Um, it was eventually my brother, 
my girlfriend and one of my best friends. And it took their three pronged approach to actually get me to go to therapy. And they all knew, like, obviously my brother was there for it and a few friends who I'd confided in, but they all knew they're like, no, dude, that's, that's fucked up. Um, but I didn't. And it, as a kid, we had this kind of ancient policy, which is, uh, I'll never forget it. What happens in this house stays in this house. And it was sort of like a family privacy thing. And I don't want to think that there was any evil intent behind that, but it, it ended up being the, the blanket that was used to cover all of these things that should have seen daylight 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the fact that then when it did come out, um, I was in my middle teens and everyone was just kind of like, huh? Yeah, that's terrible. Well, you look good now. And I'm just like, guys, no, like I still can't go home safely. Like you don't fucking get this. Um, and so all my family, like people I love so much, people I know that care about me, you know, they still didn't help. So the answer, if you're not getting help is tell someone else Mm -hmm. until you find a rock to grab onto in this storm, you're always just going to be tossed in the sea. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with talk therapy? And I, I know you mentioned about like, you understand why people don't want to do this. And I think that's something that comes up a lot when people are, are going through their stuff, no matter what their trauma is, is like, especially males. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, no, but, that's very accurate. Right. You know, saying like, just go to therapy, just go do it. And it's easy to say that when, as someone who hasn't gone to therapy and, you, and as like you wrote, like, it's fair that you don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And what was your experience with not wanting to do it? And then realizing, hopefully I'm hoping the benefit. Uh, certainly benefits. And honestly, even just though I've progressed a lot, I can't wait to get back to my therapist and just do some check-in work. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it, it is really worth the money. It, may, it makes your heart jump into your throat when you look at the bill, but it's worth it. Um, so as a kid, I did go to a therapist one time. My mom made a bargain with me because I was, I was such an intensely private kid that she would buy me Final Fantasy VIII if I would go see this therapist. I'll never forget it. I still own the game. It's an excellent game. Um, if I would go to this therapist and it was such a horrifically uncomfortable experience and I remember I didn't tell any truth um, because when you are in that abusive situation, whatever, you become very, very good at concealing things. And so all I said was essentially what he was leading me to say. And I don't think this therapist is a bad guy. It was just a bad experience for me because of where I was at. So I just gave him some answers and I assume he told them to my mom. I don't know how confidentiality works with a minor, mm-hmm. but it, it was, it was horrible because I just, I kind of had this feeling of like, Oh God, finally someone's going to help me. And he didn't. And again, it's not his fault. I lied to his face. But it, it, so it put this sour taste in my mouth for years, years. And my brother, who is about seven years younger than me, he was telling me for several years because he went to therapy first and, and worked out all the shit. He's like, no, nah, dude, we grew up fucked up. Like you, you got to do something about this. And my partner, who is a big therapy advocate for same reasons, you know, she, she had benefits herself. And then 
ultimately I walked in the door just, just on faith, just on the faith of these people who I knew loved me and cared about me. Cause I was feeling so jaded. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Like I can just get better. I could just get, I'll just keep working out and running and walk my dogs and doing the things I like to do. And eventually I'll be healthy, but you know, it's this sick shit underneath the surface and it doesn't go away if you don't expose it. I'll never forget my first session. My therapist said, because this is the thing, despite being private, I'm not secretive. So if I'm having an honest conversation with someone, I'll tell you fucking anything. Yeah. And so I told her a lot that first day and she's like, okay, this was a really heavy day. So I want you to just like maybe go home, watch some Netflix. I think I ended up spending about eight hours on Skyrim, which is never a bad time. And so I, I thought that was so silly as I'm leaving, as I'm getting in my car or my girlfriend's car, she picked me up. She's like, she's like, how was it? I was like, oh, she told me to go like do self-care. I'm like, I, I'll probably go work out. And she's like, I don't think you should. And then by the time we were home, which was a 15 minute drive, I was a, a wreck, just a wreck because I realized all of the things I had said, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I realized how much carrying this stuff for decades can can do to you you know trauma rewires your brain and your brain controls your body so those experiences shape your life i'm never going to sit here and pretend i have done something that i haven't i've never gone to therapy i've never had that experience yes i think i should go i think even without the experience thing probably everyone should go um i don't have a lot of male friends in therapy but i do know that the one of the reasons that might be because, you know, you guys are grown up being told not to cry, not to, you know, shove everything down. Don't worry about it. You're a man, rah, rah, rah. And now you've gone to your first therapy session with this woman. And like you said, 15 minutes on a ride home, everything hit you. Did that make you want to go back or did that make you even more scared? Uh, it, it was one of the worst feelings of my life. Um, you know, you think of, I, I don't know what kind of analogy I could make, but if you think of like a, uh, an injury that you have from constantly moving something the wrong way and you've just learned to cope with it, instead you realize that you got to heal it, but you just fucking break the bone or something like that. That's, that's a, that's a rough analogy, but I'd rather have had a broken bone than that afternoon. I, I was crying profusely. I found no comfort in anything really i was it, again it was just distraction and my therapist did tell me that she's like it's not going to feel better but maybe take your mind off it and i wouldn't say that i didn't want to go back though because i'm a, i'm a really logical person and so when i when all that crashed down around me i was like oh shit this is bad and so then i knew then i knew i was like yeah keep going how many more sessions after that did you experience that same pain? Zero. Uh, none were that bad. There were some that were pretty fucking bad um, because instead of going wide with all the different issues, we went deep on specific ones. Even just stuff about yourself, man. I mean, I, I, I've been horrible to people, you know, just like people have been horrible to me. And, and realizing that when you have this standard of objective good and then you think you're living to it and then you're like, Oh my God, it, it can be horrifying. And, and some of that came up too, you know, it's like, so 
when you say that everybody needs to go to therapy, I could not agree with you more. What do you think therapy, what do you think the biggest thing therapy taught you? Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I wish I had an answer for that, but I don't think there's any, I'll tell you what therapy taught me. Therapy taught me that talking works because it wasn't, it wasn't anything that actually bonked me over the head and said like, Oh, here, you're better. It was just a gradual process of working through my issues. And like I said, I'm a logical person. So when I, when my therapist would point out like, Oh, maybe you should pay a little more attention to that. I, you know, I would pay a little more attention to that. And it's like, Oh shit, you know? So yeah, it, it does work. Therapy taught me therapy works, which might be a little self-serving for them, but uh, I, I firmly believe it. Did um, your therapist ever have you confront your stepdad, dad, stepdad? No. Um, and in fact, that's something that's kind of ongoing because my, my mom is still married to that person. Um, and so it's, yeah, dude, it's weird. It's weird. And I don't know because my mom knows and my, like, I have zero doubt that my mom loves me more than anything in the world. And so holding that thought along with the, this extremely disparate knowledge of what happened is like, how can both of these things be true? But they are, and I just know that they are. So uh, yeah, it's still something I have to deal with from time to time. I've drawn lines in my head, like, you know, this person will never meet my children. Um, and it's essentially just, I. It's essentially powering through a few visits a year for the benefit of my mom because I love her so much. Most of the time we spend together, it's just her and I. Okay. So, you know, for those few occasions, I just suck it up and carry on. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about other um, coping, coping, coping mechanisms or the other things that you have done, like you talked about holistic approaches to mm. your mental health. Another one that I thought was so sweet that I want you to talk about also is getting a dog and what having a dog did for you. Okay. All right. Well, I'll name a few things first and then I'll tell that story. So uh, exercise, which, you know, it seems essentially pedestrian to say, but it is true to a level that the average person does not realize. Um, nature. I've always been a huge nature head. I, you know, I don't, eat animals but I always thought you had to and that always that is something that tore me up for the majority of my life it was like oh I have to eat animals to be healthy and I don't want to because I just fucking love the little bastards you know mm -hmm. um so exercise eating well uh meditation yoga just following my pursuits you know trying to live my days in ways that I would like to to hear about did that come easy for you? No, no, that was a long and grueling process and it's still uh, a work in progress. Uh, just finding those spaces and dude, even things like, like my phone, I've never been a social media freak and I held out on getting a smartphone as long as possible until they literally had no other phones to offer me. I didn't fucking want one. But, but still here I am and I, uh, you know, I'm dicking around on Instagram or whatever. And, and Instagram is fine. It lets you connect with people. I don't have any problems with this shit in essence, 
but you got to catch yourself. And so then I'll be like, oh shit, I just wasted 20 minutes. Well, now I don't have time to do the thing I wanted to do. So I'm, I'm still working all this out. Yeah. I have like a hard time with that because part of me is like, I waste, I shouldn't say waste. This is my problem is that I am on my phone so much, but I'm, I'm constantly like, but I'm building lemon soul, which will hopefully one day be a business. So like, this is actually work, even though it feels really fun, it's work. But then I'm also fucking just scrolling aimlessly and then feeling shittier and shittier and shittier. And then you said 20 minutes, I'm like fucking two hours gone. And I'm like, <laughs> why I, all of a sudden I feel fucking so upset. And I'm like, why, why do I feel sad all of a sudden? And I'm like, it's, I have to like logically walk myself through like, you've been on your phone for two fucking hours, get off your ass and go do something. And, uh, not a perfect practice. Um, and sometimes I'm just like, I just want to feel shittier. Like it sounds like, so <laughs> dumb, but I'm just like, I'm already here. Like it's such a fucking, like, I feel like, um, what's it? Um, Gollum from like, uh, Lord of the Rings. I'm like, my yeah. just like I just want to like keep doing it. And like, I can't, but sometimes I, I literally just like stop and I just like put my phone away. I'm like, I just got to like, in the immediate motion of just like, just get up, just go, don't even think about it, just leave your phone. But it's hard. And as, especially as, as someone who like holds a social media presence, it's like, where do I draw the line of like, what is good and healthy and what is uh, not so good and not so healthy. Uh, but it's a hard, it's, it's a hard line. And it, again, like you said about exercise or walking outside in nature or eating healthy, they all sound so rudimentary, but it's not as easy as it sounds for a lot of people, if not most people. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, none of those things that are basic elements of life are taught as, you know, this is the stuff that will make you a healthy and functional person. They just look at you sideways and say, what do you mean you didn't go outside today? Yeah. Well, you, you, this is not how you raise me. Shut the fuck up. You know? <laughs> It's so true. I remember being in, uh, this is going to be vulnerable, but I remember being in the doctor's office for the first time, uh, and not for the first time, but for the first time discussing, uh, what I was struggling with. And there was no discussion of, uh, exercise or let's get you on a meal plan or blah, blah, blah. It was, why don't you take this pill for a couple months and see how you feel? And luckily enough, I was at a place, uh, who the fuck knows why at that point, but I was like, mm. and again, this is not, this is by no means shame to people who take medication. I, that yeah. is not my place to say I have never taken medication. So I, this is just my own experience. Um, I felt like, well, maybe there are other things I should be doing before I take this as an option. And I uh, graciously said no, but almost every time I went back to that doctor, she, she tried to like almost sell me on taking that medication. I was like, I gotta get out of here. This isn't the right place for me. <laughs> and, and, you know, eventually working on those things that you mentioned, like getting a, a routine down, an exercise routine down and spending more time in nature and fucking doing yoga and meditate, like those things can work for people. They might not work for everyone. Uh, everyone is different, but I can like tenfold agree with like doing all of those things can definitely at least help your your mental well-being in one way or another. I think that if you don't look this is this is why I think a knowledge-based approach to things works so well. And and with a knowledge-based approach you can also account for the margins too because you can understand that this thing doesn't work for everyone it only works for 70% of people or what have. You. But if you look at all of those different things like we're just talking about right now 
and say, how much of this is absent from my life? Maybe I'll look at these factors before I go to, you know, prescription medication or whatever. And again, prescription medication can be a great short-term way to get you there, but it might not help in the long run, or, or maybe it will, but you, you need to consider what is absent first, mm. I think. That's me. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I know. So I'm like, I always have to preface this. Like, this is just my opinion and or experience because, right. you know, what works for me is not going to work for you. And if anyone has listened to me ever talk, I say that probably a thousand times per episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, you commented on a post that I made recently. Dun, dun, dun. You, I asked what yoga has, how yoga has changed your mm. life or something along those lines. And you wrote, Yoga literally taught me what self-love is. Tell me why. Okay, so let's call it between three and four years ago, I was a go, go, go freak. I slept between four and five hours a night, if that. Yeah, sleep has always been a tough one for me. That's another thing. Do you sleep well? Anyway, um, so I was getting up at 4.30, going to the gym, going to work. This is when I worked in a position I hated. So that was a big stressor. And I also rock climbed, which I had to since axe as a hobby because it's just too time consuming. You know, you can't have them all. And I took care of my dogs. And so all of these different things. And I never had any fucking time. And I just, I, I just wanted to break down. I wanted to make time for medication or medication, meditation, because it's supposed to help you with your mental health, but I didn't have fucking 15 minutes to meditate. And so eventually on certain days, because rock climbing is not something you can do every single day, or you shouldn't do it every single day. I was using that, that time block in the evening hours to do yoga, just looking through YouTube. I honestly like Again, no shade to anyone who has a yoga business. Good on you. It's a beautiful thing for the world. But I would never pay for a yoga class. YouTube has a billion free yoga classes, and I have a $10 mat from Winners. Okay, wait, though. Have you ever been to a yoga class? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to have a membership at Good Life, so my first yoga experiences were all included in that, but I didn't pay extra for them. So I guess I did pay for them. I just lied. Have you ever done hot yoga? once never again <laughs> it's either really this. bro i run hot this is the thing like i'm i'm wearing a shirt out of politeness right now but i don't wear a shirt in my house i'm just a very warm person all the time okay Not for me i know because like i compare like the yoga online thing to like when people say like you don't need to go to the movie theater like for me as a movie fucking fiend like it's an experience right like there is a difference between watching a movie on netflix which is also great and um, way cheaper um, than watching, like being in the theater and being around people and all that and that type of stuff. It's a different experience. So when you said like the yoga online versus the yoga in person, I'm like, well, there's a difference. <laughs> there, you're you're absolutely right. There's definitely a difference. And again, no no shade to anyone who prefers that experience. It's just I'm fucking cheap, <laughs> so we gonna roll like that. You know, our mutual friend Kevin, he actually took me to a yoga class. Uh, with a with a friend and who is an instructor and that was one of the most punishing experiences of my entire life that is not where I learned self-love that's where I learned to hate that woman <laughs> shout out to Kev love you Kev god bless <laughs> okay so uh there's a channel called yoga with Adrian 
And I found her videos really helpful because she had things of all different length. And then she would talk about like, oh, this is for your hip flexors. Or this is for your lumbar. But then there was also stuff for like mood support. And I was kind of like, eh, you know, yoga and meditation often go hand in hand, but I'm not a spiritual person. So I'm like, I don't, I don't want a fucking guru. I don't want someone who's going to tell me how to live. But one day I was just, I was having a really, really bad day. And this thing was called yoga for self-love. As you mentioned before, you know, the male world teaches you that self-love is fucking corny. And that, that's what I thought. I'm, I'm still not sure it's not, but I've learned to embrace the concept. So I do this yoga for self-love and it, it was almost an hour one. And about halfway through, I'm just laying, and it, this, is a, this is a really dark period in my life, I should preface with that. Um, but about halfway through, I was just laying on my mat, fucking bawling my eyes out, dude. Because she was saying things like, you should thank yourself for taking this time to come to your mat. And I guess that's something that a, an instructor can give you that you can't always get from, you know, just watching yoga on YouTube, which is, you know, these things are all for a reason. So, you know, thank yourself for taking this time to come to your mat. And, you know, movement should be considered an act of self-love. And then when I considered that all of these things that I do, like you know, waking up, working out early and, and doing rock climbing because it gives me that rush or whatever, all this shit is literally because I'm trying to make myself better. I was like, oh, oh holy shit, I, I do love myself a little bit which is the most fundamental thing in the world for a lot of people and good on them. But it was rare for me. I hadn't really heard of it and I hadn't really understood it at all. And so, yeah, shout out to Adrian for teaching me to love myself. Well, and I think also only really in the last couple of years has the term self love been on the forefront, right? Like we never, there wasn't really ever a term or like you're saying, like all the things that we do to better ourselves, whether it's mentally, physically, it all comes together as one. And self-love has been now this trending word online that we can actually like put a, put a sticker on it, which I, for a lot of people is like, oh, self-love, because, because it's trendy, everyone likes to like roll their eyes at it. And I'm like, okay, you don't really understand though. If you just look at it as like from the base of it, who the fuck cares what it's called? Is it helping you? Is right. it making you a better person? Who the fuck cares if it's trending or not? Like, it doesn't matter at that point. Um, yoga, it, it, and it is an interesting hearing you say that you're, like, not a spiritual person. Are you spiritual? Are you, before I go on this rant, are you spiritual now or still not so much? No. That's, that's part of my ferociously logical brain is it's just, it's just all white noise to me. <laughs> when I first started, when, when I first, first started yoga, again, I went to it for the physical. I went... Uh, Gosh, um, I was probably, yeah, in my early 20s, just looking for another way to exercise because I couldn't get myself to the fucking gym. And I was like, maybe this will work. Um, and I went to my first class and I don't ever do, don't ever buy a $120 like month membership and I've never fucking gone. And because I went once and I was like, this is fucking stupid. And I never went again and I wasted $120. Oh. But <laughs> no shame to her. She's lovely. I actually went back like, years 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 later and took like a four-week fucking yoga course with her but anyways I went to it for the phys physicality and then like you said like I don't want a fucking guru I was in the mindset of like I don't need this shit like I just I just need you to I just need to sweat 
and like all the spirituality portion of it like totally rubbed me the wrong way and I wasn't I, I don't think now looking back wasn't prepared to uh, dive into that part of my life which truthfully as I have now and I never went back after that that first class and probably it was probably five or six years in between until I just recently in the last year really dived into uh, my yoga practice and hot yoga um, and allowing that spiritual portion of it to come. And I say spiritual lightly because I've never been a religious person. I've never had um, even really any interest in that type of stuff. It kind of almost came naturally. I just was like, okay, if this is part of it, this whatever, like I'll, I'll can manage. And then slowly it started like shaping me and I started to feel things. And I was like, then I became that person and no shame. I do it. And I do it with all my love. I'm like, I just want to put my feet in with my bare feet in the grass and I just want to get grounded and, you know, be outside and stretch. But that's part of like, it's just part of loving yourself. And it's part of loving the universe that allows you to be yourself. And I think it really came full circle to me years, years later. But I think again, like if anyone looked at my fucking page where I'm like, dicking around doing yoga they're like oh you must have just gotten into this and just loved from the start and I'm like no everyone's journey is different and it doesn't always come come so easy so I love having that like background of like you said you were in a dark place in your life you know, like that you prefaced by saying that in like going through the experience of like breaking down during that meditation that yoga meditation of being like oh fuck this really hit me this is what self-love is my, my whole story is just a, a, a series of rock bottoms that eventually led to results because I, I'm, this is part of growing up with that fear response to everything is I was never, ever proactive about stuff. I know, you know, in this grind it out, get it culture, we're all supposed to say that, but I wasn't, I was, I just wanted to be fucking left alone. And it wasn't ever until something got so bad that I did something about it. My job got so bad that I took another job, which is where I currently work. Bless them, they're so good to me. Um, but I didn't even know what the fucking job was. I was like, I don't care, it's anything else. Fuck all of this, you know? And, and that's how it's been with everything. Like when I got into working out, I like biking, I like, like bicycling. Um, and I always kind of have, I don't know, it just feels nice, you know? It's a good, easy exercise. I was never, never athletic as a kid, but in the winter of 2015, it was so fucking brutal, like snow and cold and shit. And I couldn't bike to work, which is usually my exercise for the day. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to get a gym membership. And I was mad at myself because I swore up and down for 27 years. I wasn't ever going to fucking do that. And then I was like, God, I feel good to this day. I don't know if I like working out. I'm not really sure, but I know it makes me a better person. I love that you said that. And it's so funny with, I hate fucking talk about the pandemic. We're not even getting on that rant, but because the pandemic and gyms are closed, I am, I have never, I've always wanted to be the person that loved to go to the gym. Um, but I always really struggled getting there, loved being there. Once I was there, I was like, I'm in my groove. Things are good, but getting there was always a fucking struggle. But now that everything's closed, I'm like, the only thing I want to do right now is just go to the gym. But here's a funny thing. Now that we're going into phase two tomorrow, mm. uh, tattoo shops are opening. And this whole pandemic, I'm like, bro, all I fucking want to do is get a tattoo. I have all these fucking ideas. And then now it's available. And I'm like, nah. 
I do, I will, I do, I will, but it's like, am I, this was my thought process, because I fucking am always asking myself questions, is like, am I only missing the gym because it's not available to me now? Mm. I don't know why, I don't know if it's true, I got myself into a good, like, workout regimen before all this for, like, fuck, the longest time ever, probably, like, eight months of, like, going in the mornings, and it was all good and hunky-dory, but, and now I'm like, do I really miss it, or do I just miss it because I can't have it? that's a lot of life that is a lot of life I, grass is always greener right ass is always grass at ass grass is always greener ass is always greener i don't know it might be i haven't looked and i won't <laughs> um i want you to talk about getting your dog because i think that is so sweet and i don't have a dog and i will get there one day and i can't wait to have one what did that do for your mental health that was the first thing probably the most proactive thing I've ever done in my life. Most uh, reckless. And I mean, most people are, you know, whatever, you got a dog, whatever. I had no money. I had no fucking time, but I had just moved out and I had always wanted a dog. And that was the whole story. My mom never let me have one, have one, excuse me. And so I was like, I'm, I'm just fucking doing it. You know, it might've took me a month or two. And when I, when she found out, my mom was like, I'm surprised it took you this long. I expect you to have one the next day, you know, right? Because I, I talked about it incessantly my entire life. And I, you know, so I got this little, this little mutt named her Molly, a um, little black and tan mix, you know, and she was a holy fucking terror. She was awful. Just making a mess everywhere, firing out both ends, wouldn't eat anything, didn't like me. Um, she, I used to live down by the university in like slum housing at the time. And she took off out of the backyard and like ran around the neighborhood. And so I'm like running, jumping people's fences and like in and out of yards and through alleys and shit like this, all for her to eventually just run back into our yard. And I just looked at her and I was like, are you fucking kidding? Like, what did I ever do to you, bro? I'm trying to feed you and just like walk you and love you. After I moved out of that place. Um, I moved into a apartment with my girlfriend at the time in Sandwich and we had no money and all I had was my dog. And so I just walked her, walked her, walked her, walked her, walked her, walked her, walked her and trained and trained and trained. Cause again, you know, free resources online and stuff. Um, we did one class at PetSmart, which they gave us a two for one discount. You know, I, people shit talk PetSmart. I never will. I never will. Right. They hooked it up. They, they gave me the tools and, uh, and then I just realized like there's something to caring more about someone or something than yourself that fundamentally changes you. And I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate that in the first few years, but holy shit, it made me a better person feeling that responsibility, not in a selfish way. And I don't think it's selfish for an 18 year old kid to want to take over the world or party with their friends. Or, yeah, you fucking do you baby. But the, for me, because I didn't like partying or anything, finding this, you know, well of love. And it was once I realized that once I realized that like, this is, this is bigger than me. You literally have a life in your hands. A lot of people hate that. They think it's corny. You know, dogs aren't like humans. You're right. Dogs aren't like humans. Dogs are like dogs and they're better than us. Um, when I discovered that, that's when she started loving me. That's when Molly loved me. And so I've had her for, she's 11 now. And uh, it's, she's, 
she's still my best friend. Like, sorry, everybody else. Sorry, Phil. Like it's, you know, it made me a better person on every fucking level. I love to hear you say that because I, one piece of advice I always give to people who are struggling with their mental health. If someone's going to ask me, what can I do? My answer is not necessarily get a dog, but it is volunteer. And what you said about there is something about um, giving your energy to someone else outside of yourself that gives you that fucking perspective, whether you realize it consciously or subconsciously, it will fucking change you. And that's exactly what you just described with like having a dog, which essentially is volunteering just 24 seven all the time with love. For real though. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I volunteer at a local animal rescue because I've never been able to have a dog um, and have not had the exact same experience, obviously because they're not mine, um, but have had that, that is what saved me. That is what, you know, the, the cliche thing is, uh, who rescued who and yeah, it, yeah, so yeah. it's cliche for a reason because it's fucking true um but it is it's it's just about putting yourself it's it's humbling and it gives yes. and it also gives you a purpose like how often would you have gone out and just walked around if you hadn't had your dog yeah that's and that's a huge thing like i said i was not at all athletic or, or physical growing up and i think that even just that amount of walking and i mean like I said, was broke. We took big, long walks every day. Um, that got started what would eventually become my physical journey for, for like, it's, it's just all the dominoes, you know, you can look back on them and see them falling now, but I didn't know what they were at the time. Or you said that um, your life was just a recurring series of hitting those like extreme, like hitting the bot, the hitting rock bottom and then coming back, hitting rock bottom and then coming back. Yeah. What are you doing now? to not do that the next time. Well, you don't really know when you're about to hit rock bottom, right? So who the <laughs> fucking knows? Maybe there's one tomorrow. Um, no, I, I, I've, all of the, all of the self-development shit I feel is going to keep me from getting to those kinds of lows again, specifically the cognizance brought on by therapy um, and realizing, no, not, not specifically what that thing did, but just how this kind of living affects you. Um, I don't see myself getting to that point again. And now it's a, it's almost harder because when you get to that point where you have no other options, well, you have no other options move, but trying to negotiate the best path from a point where you do have something to lose. It's tricky, man. It's tricky. I don't, you know, I've, I've got, I've got things now that are again bigger than me you know I've got I've got a relationship which I didn't have for a long 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 time and that was a source of misery so I don't want to fucking lose it because this is my best friend right and Molly um and I've got these two dogs who are my relationship and I've got a house and ultimately I don't care if my house fucking burns down tomorrow long as everybody lives but all things considered I worked really hard for this mm -hmm. so yeah I've got stuff to lose so I don't want to hit rock bottom. And I think ultimately it's those senses of responsibility. That was one thing my mom drummed in me as a kid was a sense of responsibility. And I've always felt it to other people, to my family, to society, to my dogs, what have you. Um, and that kind of makes me better than I would be, I think. Yeah.
I just want to give a shout out to your girlfriend because I think you guys are just the most. Sorry, I'm probably rambling about her a lot, but no, she figures in a lot of this stuff. She's just, I just watch you guys because I'm so creepy and I just think you guys are so sweet. <laughs> it's the world of social media. It just is what it is. But I just, I admire, like you guys have such a sweet relationship. You guys are sharing goofy stuff and I just think you guys are the coolest. So. Oh yeah. She's my biggest fan and my biggest shit talker. Absolutely. <laughs> You gotta have both. You have to have both. Balance. <laughs> Balance. Okay, so I'm gonna quote you, and I want you to explain <laughs> what this. Uh oh, what the fuck did I say? It it hit me, and it it hit me because I was like, "Fuck, I need to work on this," and I feel like a lot of people do. Um, you wrote, "Everything got better when I realized I was responsible for all of my own happiness." Dot dot dot. And that I didn't know fuck about shit. <laughs> yeah. I was going to yeah. stop at that first section. And I was like, no, I got to talk about the fuck about shit. <laughs> it's important. The second half is important. Um, that's the late, late twenties crisis of the millennial. Uh, oh man, it was bad. It was bad. So I, I used to rent a place. Luckily I had a good landlord or else I'd have been out on my ass a million times, but holy shit, dude. I just, when I finally got the job that I have now, or at least started working at the company I have now, um, I'm surrounded by a bunch of dudes in the trades, right? And one of the guys there who, uh, well, Slick, Mitchy Slick, the homeboy, he is a super fucking handy guy. And he would ask me to come help him with stuff. And, you know, kind of like we were talking about, one of the best ways to make yourself feel good about yourself is to help other people. So, sorry, Slick, I like you, but it was really just to make me feel good. But he was asking me to come help him with like home projects and shit. And I'm like, I don't know any of this fucking shit, you know? Like I, I barely knew which end of a screwdriver to hold. And, and part of that was, you know, the lack of a fatherly influence. And I, you know, I hate to, to gender that kind of role, but let's be straightforward here. And other things were just, you know, my, my sense of escapism where I just wanted to not be connected to the world. I, I ate fucking chicken nuggets and sidekicks for most of my adult life when I could afford them. And the, the, the first thing I really knew how to do and, and learned what the difference between knowing what you're doing and not knowing what you're doing makes was dog training. So there you go. Another thing that roots there. But I was like, Oh, Oh shit. You know, people would ask me like, Oh, how do you get, how do you get your dog to walk so good? I'm like, what do you mean? You fucking train it. What are you talking about? Which is such a flippin' asshole answer. But, but then when I realized how insufficient I was in so many ways, I was like, oh, they really don't know, just like I really didn't know. And I, and I didn't really have a lot of life skills. You know, this is pre-therapy. This is pre-working out. I, I didn't know shit. What fucking going vegan was one of the best things for me in the kitchen, because otherwise you're going to be eating a lot of really fucking dog shit bland food. So you just learn. So... I realized that none of this stuff was going to happen on its own. And, and it was a, it was extremely empowering. Again, it was a rock bottom moment, but it, it the, when I, when I turned around, so I'm at rock bottom and I'm lying on my face and, you know, in a pool of my own tears and blood. And then I rolled over and I looked up and it was so, so, so bright. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is going to get a lot better. I have power. And, and it's sort of that, uh, you know, 
pull yourself up by the bootstraps argument that gets twisted into reasons not to care about other people. But, but there is a nugget of truth there of personal responsibility at the heart of really everything, you know? Yeah, you got to care about other people and help other people, but ultimately start with you. Yeah. When did you realize that you were responsible, responsible for all of your own happiness? Because I think of people that I know that are struggling and things that they have gone through. But you're, you're sitting here in front of me as a prime example of someone who grew up with a rough life, was not given uh, all the opportunities um, to maybe, maybe uh, you know, have a good mental health because of the stuff that you went through. And I, again, only making an assumption that it's hard to, like, you almost blame what has, what happened to you for why you're not happy. How did Absolutely. you, how did you come to realize or have you realized that your happiness is your responsibility? Meditating. So all of this can be traced back to that whole gifted thing. And I'm not saying you shouldn't congratulate kids on a job well done or, or steer them into the best programs if they're showing themselves to be, you know, more capable or intelligent or whatever than their peers, of course. But just telling someone over and over, you're really smart, is the fucking worst thing. Because then you're sitting there expecting good things just to happen. But I was never, I was so fucking good at school with my eyes closed, I didn't ever have to try. And so now I'm 20 in university, and I have no idea how to assert myself. Not in school, in any way. So when I started meditating, and, you know, I... I only use guided meditations because I just, I don't have the wherewithal. Um, and, and this is, this is now, now I'm into some of these other good habits like working out and, and cooking and eating right and everything. But I, I didn't, those didn't click for me as being responsible for my happiness. They're just like, you should do this. They were just rules. Um, but when I meditated, it, it kind of got into, you know, ultimately you've made a choice to bring yourself here to give yourself a better life. Sort of, sort of like what Adrian said to me that one fateful day, um, but in a more level way. And, and that's part of what you get from mindfulness is, is you know, not so much peaks and valleys, but the, the straight course through. And, and when, I, when I got past the initial stage of meditation where you're just like, I don't know how to fucking do this. Cause it's very frustrating to start. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning that. Oh yeah. Oh it's, oh, it's so hard, especially now. Like I said, phones, video games, stimulus everywhere. No doubt. Um, but when I got there, it, and then it, just that sense of power and realizing the why and the what that go hand in hand there. Ooh, ooh, that was good. Again, hard, hard, because I was at such a low, low point. But the those points are the ones that stick out. Did you know that, like you're saying, you were in your low, 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 again, doing the meditation, similar to like my question about going to therapy, was it hard to keep going back to meditation? Because I feel like people get stuck and just say, fuck it and don't do it. Was it, did it come naturally to you to go back? Was there the logical brain working there of like, I know this is going to help, so I'm going to do it type thing? Yeah. Yeah, there was. So, um, do you know who Tim Ferriss is? Yeah. Okay. So Tim Ferriss. Uh, has his podcast where he interviews 
you know, high performers and the best in their fields and all that shit. And he pointed out, um, I, I got turned on him by four hour work week. Cause don't we all want that? But his, his was the first podcast I ever paid attention to. And he pointed out that most of the people he was interviewing meditate. And so that was what I kept in my head those times when I was like, this fucking sucks and I hate it. Um, and when I, you know, I got three minutes into a 20 minute meditation and said, fuck this, this is stupid. I'm frantic. I'm anxious. Um, now it's, it's a little bit of everything. I still have that, but there's a bit of discipline. There's a little bit of enjoying it. There's knowing what the benefit on the other side is, you know, so it's a, it's a little more complete picture. Yeah. I love that. Like step-by-step step look at it because most people just look at it as like this one thing that is you standing there with your arms like this, no one can see me. So this makes no fucking sense, but you know, you probably know what I'm fucking talking about and your eyes are closed and you're fucking so zen. And I have on numerous accounts tried to get people to meditate and them not do it because of, of that, that block. But it's nice to hear that someone does meditate. You're still going through those steps. Like there still is that little bit of not want, not wanting to be there or uncertainty or there should be 12 other things you should be doing. That's part of it. Dude, one out of seven meditations a week is good. The rest are frantic and trying to shut down and catch yourself and all that fucking shit that goes in hand with it. I'm not going to explain it to everyone. But I, okay, so I was working my sales position and I have my mother's temper. And the reason ultimately that I knew sales was not for me was not even because of my introversion, but because people feel confident when they know something that there's no respect necessary and I, I couldn't fucking take it. And so I was always just a whistling kettle all the time. Back when I was a manager at a, at a different place, I was, oh, I was a monster. Ask Kev, he'll tell you. And instead, this time at, at, at my current job, I was like, I was pissed off, but I was just kind of like, ha, ah, yeah, can't wait for this to be done. Or, or some kind of thought like that. And and it wasn't even that. It was when I realized that I had thought that. I was like, who the fuck are you, bud? Like, you some kind of healthy functioning person or some shit? Shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the shit works. The shit yeah. works. It sucks, but it works. Oh, I love it. I love that, like, real-life explanation where you're like, oh, this is actually fucking helping me. I'm doing all this work. And maybe it's not immediate, but then it builds up over time. And then you have a personality shift. <laughs> Exactly. And I like, I like the weightlifting uh, analogy because of course I would um, where, you know, each, each time you come back to your thoughts, it's not, it's not the concentrating that is actually the exercise. It is the getting scattered and then coming back to it. And that's like one rep. And so, you know, when, when I was having that problem with that person, you know, picking up 500 pounds is still heavy, but there's a difference between being able to do it and not. So yeah. <laughs> I fucking love that. That's a great analogy coming from you. you. You've just been so full of all of these analogies throughout this whole time. I, I always like cue into certain things and I've done that like probably 17 times and I'm like, I don't know which one I'm going to pick. This is so exciting. Good time. Try and find one of the ones without fucking it. <laughs> Fuck. Well, it's not my favorite swear word, but it's my second favorite swear word. So I What's mean, your favorite swear word? Cunt. Hell yeah! <laughs> I got so like, much shit for it, but I'm with you. No, I'm there. It's underrated. Sorry, mom. She, <laughs> her favorite swear words fuck. So like we're fine. But she, she always used to hate that when I would say that when I was younger. But here we are. 
All right. I want to talk about Fresh Slick and Mick. Talk to me about so the podcast. I. Let's fucking go there. Let's talk about it because that's how we got connected. How did it start? Tell me about the boys. I want to hear all about this fucking awesome podcast. Shout out if anyone hasn't fucking listened yet. Just stop. Actually, don't stop. Keep listening to Alex. But like, go afterwards and check it out. Yes, definitely. Please check out Fresh Like a Mick if you're into long form discussions of interesting topics, because that's what we do. You know, we're not we're not a crime podcast. We, we don't do like 50 minute snippets or anything. We try to get deep on why we think certain things or what's going on in the world or just weird shit. We do funny topics, whatever. Um, it's it's all about really interesting conversations. The whole premise for it started when Slick and I worked together. And we would take, we'd always take breaks together because we were pretty much the only two people each other could stand for any amount of time anyway. And we were kind of like, oh shit, this guy's sort of cool. And obviously a friendship eventually blossomed, but we, we're both not small talk people. I know your last couple guests have said the same thing and like small talks are weird and you're uncomfortable and you're like, I, you know, how am I ever supposed to make a bond with someone talking about the weather? Oh, don't get me started. Oh my God. You know, and I love a beautiful sunny day, but like that, that's it. That's it. So, you're, you're done. So does everyone like, yeah, cool. right? <laughs> <laughs> so Slick and I both not giving a fuck about sports, which was the only thing anyone talked about at work would get into all this weird shit. And we were both huge music heads. He also loves hip hop. So we, we had a lot in common just below the surface, and it made it really easy. And he used to joke. He's like, dude, we should start a podcast, which, again, is kind of like the millennial, let's start a band. That's so oh. fucking true. Oh, my God. I know. I, I, that's not that. from me. That's, not, that's from Instagram somewhere. Oh, but my yeah, God. It is true. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. So we would say that, and we'd kind of kick these notions back and forth and just like, what, two surly dudes bitching about the world, which is funny. I watch a lot of YouTube videos where it's just a surly dude bitching about something, but I get that that's not for a lot of people, you know, and it, and it, it gets tired. Yeah. I understand that. So we kind of had this notion up in the air for a long time. And then I drag, <laughs> I dragged that bitch to tough mutter 2017 kicking and screaming motherfucker. But I did. And Mitchie slick had just made some really positive changes in his life. Like, immediately before that race and none of those changes were training for that race but me him mickey and another friend chucky dad he features on some of our episodes uh had all gone to do this tough mutter race and i was still fairly new to exercise slick used to exercise but was way out of shape he had dad bod on swole and Mickey had a fucking bad hip. Chucky had a bad knee. Like, we were the wrong fucking people to be doing all this shit, right? But I took off and left them in the dirt within about the first 15 minutes because I was the only one who had done any actual training. Asshole move. But I, I didn't train all this to fucking watch you fall over. So it was transformative for me because I learned to push myself and, and all these crazy feelings and everything. But it was the drive back after we're all beats of holy shit and Chucky had taken off on his own we didn't know where the fuck he went we found out when we got home from Barry where he had gone yeah he's like that he's like that god bless yeah I don't know I don't know man he just he disappears so it was that ride home where we were like the three of us had a really really good dynamic and the positivity that Mickey can bring 
and also kind of like this childlike innocence and wonder because he's not half so jaded as the two of us um and just a just a stress on the goodness of people it, it really balanced us out us out because i'm i'm a relatively balanced person but i'm not going to shy away from things and slick is just he, oh i mean you know he's harsh he'll get into it he's got no problem saying a thing and i love him i fucking love that about him so we were like yeah this is this is kind of a cool dynamic and again no podcast talk nothing and then slick we're slick and i were at work I don't know, some months later, and we were like, Mickey's the one. Mickey's what we need for this. So we send this kid a text message, as he's mentioned on probably every other episode. You know, he he almost cried when he found out he got to be on a show. And it's like, bro, nobody knows who the fuck we are. We're both introverts. We don't have social media. This is probably going to get listened to by absolutely no one. But yeah, you want to come shoot the shit with us for three hours, two, three hours? And he's like, yes, absolutely. Oh. And so that was the inception of it. Now, where has it, gr- how has it grown? You guys have how many episodes now? Oh, shit. Fifty-eight. Yeah, getting up there. Hell yeah. What, how, yeah. how has it changed, like, over, over time? Like, how have you seen it change over time, whether that's based off of uh, the type of discussion or even your form of podcasting, because people love that shit also. Like, where, how has it grown over time? So the form has remained pretty true because, uh, do you know the band A Day to Remember? You're a Warped Tour kid, right? Bro, it's like one of my favorite bands. And if anyone else out there that I get shit on all the time for listening to them because it's like they're like the mainstream of pop punk. So I right. always get shit on for that. But I'm like, man, it's like my gym playlist 101. Yeah. Keep your hopes up high and your head down low. That's right. I'm going to go listen to it after. <laughs> I've seen them probably 10 times for the record. Oh, fucking so, so good. So we get yeah, that as yeah, a whole yeah. other conversation. <laughs> so anyway... They have, uh, Jeremy was asked what kind of style their music is. And he's like, it's just music we want to listen to. We make music we would want to hear. And that's my philosophy on literally everything. I don't fucking care because if you like it, you aren't that unique. Someone else will like it. So do a thing well to the extent that you would like it and, and your audience will come. And ultimately, we don't really care about our audience. That was the very wrong way to say that. <laughs> We care about our audience and we are very, very grateful for our listeners, which do exist now and they didn't at the start. Um, But it's not about that. We're not trying to reach a billion people. We'd love it. We'd absolutely love it. And hopefully we'd have a better show by that time. But it's, it's for us. It's really for us. And we, we get guests in sometimes and we have a ton of fun with them. And what I didn't expect was how cathartic it can be for those guests and how much they love doing that talk, which by the way, here I am. Thank you. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's blossomed in those unexpected ways, but the nugget of it is exactly the same. And the philosophy is exactly the same. I don't know if you're going to agree with this or not, but I real had this realization, this reflection recently that um, doing this podcast, like you said, it's cathartic for your guests. Um, The more that I do this podcast, the more that I have these conversations, I am realizing Uh, how much it does for my mental health. And I had this reflection thinking about therapy recently. I'm like, am I have, I'm I'm like having a version of therapy by having these conversations because they're deep conversations that you don't air quotes. You wouldn't fucking have like regular regularly with people because it's always like that surface level shit. So I feel like I've almost gotten to have these like therapeutic conversations because they're topics that, like you said, 
I want to talk about with people that I care about and shit. When I do like my podcast course, that's one of like my number one things is no one else gives a shit. Do what you want to do. Don't ever fucking put shit out because you think or hope someone else is going to like it because it's not going to be sustainable. And the reason that you guys have gone to almost 60 episodes in how long have you guys been doing this? Two years. Like that's, that's absurd. That's awesome. And they're long form episodes. Like it's sustainable because you love it. And I think that relates to anything anyone ever fucking wants to do business, art, passion, whatever it is, is like, do it because you love it, not because like you're trying to impress someone else, or this is so cliche to say, but like not because you want to make money, or you know all of these little things that we're kind of almost told to do or expected to do in life. Do shit because you love it, and that's why I love the podcast, and that's why it is so genuine, and that's why, like you said earlier, no shame to any other local podcast, but it's the one that I keep coming back to because it's it's something that I enjoy. Thank you. Pray hands. Pray hands. <laughs> like I said, we are we are super grateful for anyone who takes a sincere interest. But it, it it was just that point. It was like, okay, we like it, and we aren't special, so somebody's gonna fucking like it. Oh yeah. What's your favorite episode that you guys have done? <sighs> Can I give you a list? Yes. Okay, so episode six uh, is called Generation Y, and it was supposed to be this is I, this is one of the kinks we had worked out. The concept of it was supposed to just be about social media and it just fucking got blown apart as the episode went on when I was not quite a, such a tight showrunner. Um, and it, it was just <laughs> it was such a shit show, but it's funny as fuck. And a lot of those things, like in that episode, I proposed to Mickey this experiment, like, what do you want your life to look like um, when you're dead? What would you want written on your tombstone? And he cannot get the point of what I'm talking about. He's like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want anybody to read my tombstone. I'm not anyone to get advice from. I'm like, no, bro, it's not, it's not about giving anyone advice. It's like, what do you want? Like, it just represents you at the conclusion. Like, how do you want this to look? And he never fucking got it. And that's where be happy with yourself comes from. Because ultimately, he's just like, he he couldn't fucking say anything. And so he, I, I was like, oh wait, you just want everyone to walk around going, be happy with yourself, be happy with yourself. And it fucking stuck, and we say it every episode now. And and like this, this is the thing, we're friends outside of this too, right? So all of these in jokes also exist in that capacity. Mm-hmm. So episode six, uh, I think it's called Generation Y or something like that. Um, the episode on toxic masculinity. Ooh, that's a I feel good like, one. Thank you. That's a good one. It's like episode eleven or something. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like that that we barely scratched the surface on. Um, I, yeah, it's just really deep and really good. And we all kind of had these points of like, we grew up hating these masculine tropes. Like I was basically raised by women myself. Um, and Slick is, he wasn't, but he's not a conventional person, you know, and, and Mickey's very traditional in a lot of ways. So we all had these like very loving and unconventional ways of growing up in a lot of ways but then in others we we totally fell victim to all of it like you know that like the drugs and the partying and drinking and everything and we're all like yeah but i fucking hate this shit but i'm still gonna do it yeah thanks society yeah 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 right i mean part of that let's be fair to ourselves part of that is kids figuring it out yeah yeah i do yeah i would agree for sure. And then uh, my stock answer is the next one. 
Ooh, so slick. I would say so slick, but it's actually yeah. so fresh. <laughs> so fresh. All right, let's wrap this up. Final ending questions. I have a question list. You've listened to my podcast, so you know how. 237. This- <laughs> I love it. I love it. 237. Did you pick this number way before, or is that just off the top of your head just now? It's my favorite number, but once you asked me to do it, it was the first thing that popped in my head. Why is 237 your favorite number? I have no fucking idea. It just the way it looks on paper right. is like I not to demean anyone's uh sense of connection to the universe, but like literally the aesthetic of 237 is spiritual to me. I cannot explain that. I can, it's a, it's one of my unrational beliefs, irrational. As long as, as long as you feel it in your core, I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. it. All right, 237. Through all of life's twists and turns, who has been there for you? We just talked about a lot of twists and turns. Well, the obvious answer would be my mom. Um, Even when she was figuring heavily in those twists and turns, I never, ever, ever for a second doubted that. And she's always pushed me to do what I, she, she, even when the guidance counselor told me to make that stupid fucking decision that I did end up making, my mom was like, that's a fucking stupid decision. You should be in writing. You know, she's, she's always wanted the best for me and I've never doubted that. But the less obvious answer would be me. I never, ever, this is the thing in the lowest of my lows, I and, and this is probably a, a residual of being my mom's child, but I never gave up on myself. Yeah. I couldn't. I don't know how to. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Ooh, that was like deep. I don't know how to. I like that. Want to do another one? Hell yeah. All right. Pick another number. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. 145. 145. Do you get a lot of like one to 10? Yeah, bro. It fucking sucks. Like anyone who's listening that's about to come on the podcast. Fuck. I literally like ugh, always, always. It's usually between like, it's always the first page. I'm like, I'm always looking at the first page. Can someone just, just reach for the stars a little bit? Fuck that page. Fuck that page. All right. When have you worked hard and loved every minute of it? Tough Mudder 2017. Hardest thing I physically the hardest thing I ever did because like I said, not a physical person. I had trained running. I had done a few Hills, but I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I had no idea what to expect. The only thing I said going into it was I'm not going to stop running and my lungs lit on fire and my stomach wanted to fucking rip out of me. And it it just like pain, pain, pain. And then the pain just stopped. Do you know the song sweatpants by childish Gambino? I don't. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not in the hip hop game. No problem. Anyway, it's a one three minute song and I rap that song to myself for the, you know, three hours it took me to finish that race just on repeat. That was my watching haters wonder you don't need to know anyway. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sweatpants, it's so good. But that that song and then it was just my mantra and I just didn't stop. And then when I got to the fucking finish line, I wasn't even tired. I was just like just surging with fucking power. And, it, and it, it was all because of the struggle. It was not in spite of the struggle. It was because of the struggle. 
fucking lemon soul, bro. Lemon soul, baby. What up? <laughs> okay, follow up question. Did have you done a Tough Mudder since? We did Tough Mudder 2018, okay. uh, and that was. I mean, I I I crushed it, um, but uh, Slick was not in the best of shape due to some injuries, and Mickey was doing photos that day. Nice. 2019, I was herniated and unable to do any such thing. And as far as 2020, we're in this COVID bullshit. So I will do it again, but I have not since 2018. Dope. On to the next one. Let's do one more because these are just good. You got good, you just got the good vibes. Let's do one more. Okay. Okay. Uh, 333. I was literally like, I hope he goes to the 300s because you did one in 200, one in 100. 333. So many pages to flip. Fuck the first page. You're not supposed to judge by the cover anyway. I thought yeah, we knew that. Yeah, we're not going to do one to 365, and it's just going to be like 50 to 365. <laughs> All right. 330. Whoa. Nope. Ooh. What confuses you? There's a lot of things that confuse me. That's a problem with having having an open mind is you spend, and this is not me tooting my own horn, but it's massively frustrating. You spend a lot of time trying to parse out people's bullshit that they haven't even thought that much about. Um, but I think ultimately, and, and this is not a lovey-dovey answer, this is a serious answer. Hate. I, I, I literally don't get it. I mean, I get hating someone who's done a horrible thing to someone you love. That's simple. That's as unconfusing as possible. But like baseless hate, like fucking, I mean, stereotypes. Yeah, sure. That's an easy go-to, but, but there's so many people who are so angry and vitriolic about so much and I don't fucking get it. You know, I, it, it's my gut instinct to go, Oh, well they haven't really looked at themselves. Oh, well they haven't really done any self-development, but ultimately you don't know that person's story. And I don't like to think that I know anything about anyone. And I also don't like to think people are lost causes. So it's just like, like, what the fuck, man? There's so much world. Let's not make this worse on each other. Yeah. I think also like when you said that my first reaction was like, I wonder what their girl, how they grew up. I wonder, you know, how they were raised. I wonder, it, I always, always end up reverting back to like your childhood. Um, mm -hmm. But it is like you're saying, like your my first tendency is to like be that empath that like has that question mark. But at the end of the fucking day, it's like why? Yeah. There, it's there's no fucking there's it's not an excuse that you've gone through shit. You like there's so much to be like you're saying. There's so much to look at, so much to experience. But people get stuck, and yeah, like, that's where like, why don't you want to be better? Yeah, a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. It's too much work. Too much work. <laughs> All right. Last question. Oh, shit. Do you know what it is? Oh, fuck. You do. I'm going to make you think about it. I'm going to let you wither like a little worm. Oh, I'm blanking, man. I'm sorry. I do. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and I'm going to fucking smack myself. I know you listen to all my episodes, so I would never share. Yeah, I do. If your life was like a photograph, what <laughs> would it look like? I thought a lot about this one. And I think that the, the simplest answer is just, so picture like a, like a totally black night and just 
the moon, just a bright, bright single point of light. Cause that's the easiest, that's the easiest way for me to think about life is just like, you know, you can ignore everything and just focus on where you're going, focus on the one good thing, focus on the light bringer. I see in a way I kind of see myself as that light in the darkness because I am no longer, I don't think I'm a dark person anymore, but I'm comfortable in darkness. So. Makes me want to shed a tear. That was actually super fucking the dopest way to end this podcast. I didn't think I didn't think you were gonna do a dark star, starry night with like I that usually people go grand and do and like that's so particular, and I really like that. I really really like that. Man, you get an annoying degree of particularity here. <laughs> Anything we missed before we wrap up? Anything? What's your last piece of advice for the people listening? Oh, I don't know shit about shit. <laughs> That's that's my advice. Learn about yourself because I don't know shit. Yeah, and go listen to Fresh Slick and Mick. Oh yeah, that's a big advice. Definitely listen to Fresh Slick and Mick available on all podcast platforms. And what's your Instagram handle? Where can people find you? Me personally or the podcast? Wherever you want to send people. Uh I better send them to the podcast at Fresh Slick and Mick. Just spell it out just like that. If you really want to find me, it's Alexander Black. Uh A L X. And D-R black. See, I fucking spelled it weird and I always forget, but that's it. <laughs> black, the A is in it, the vowels in the last name? The, the A is in Alexander and the A is, A is in black, black, otherwise right. no vowels. All right, cool, yeah. cool, cool, All right. Dude, we did it. This is fucking we dope. Fucking nailed it. Y'all, I am so grateful that I got to sit down and have this conversation with Alex. We covered such an array of topics and so much goodness that has come from so much heaviness. And there is nothing more powerful and motivational to me than hearing someone talk um, truthfully and vulnerably about what they have gone through. And I just want to give a super fucking big, massive thank you to Alex for being that person today. Um, I don't have to sit here and say, I hope you enjoy the episode because I know I know you have. So with that being said, please check out the Fresh Slick and Mick podcast. If you liked listening to Alex talk, which I know the answer is yes, you're going to love their podcast, long form, great conversations between Fresh Slick and Mick. And uh, until next time, have a great fucking day. And if your day is not great, that's okay too. We're all going through it. 